A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounce on its point. Wow. The fakes, the gods are with the gods. Okay, hang on. Who's nominated for the back? Oh, God. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. How are you all? I'm Emma Race, joined today by my football-loving female friend, Lucy Race. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'll go third man up. (laughs) Take a ticket. Kate Sear, how are you? I won't go third man up because I'm way too short, but I'm good. Yeah, you're a tiny little rock rover. Joined by the coin toss mascot. How are you, Nicole Hayes? I'm really, really great. Thanks for having me. Having you? This is your house. Hello, Felicity Race. How are you? Good, aren't we all very polite today? Oh, just being formal, I suppose. Very formal. Madame Alicia, sometimes, how do you do? Oh, let's start a footy podcast. Oh, that'd be great. Let's see if they win this year. I'm pumped. <laughs> Still perpetually pumped, which is nice. Hey, um, let's do a ladder check, but let's not check the last position on the ladder. How are you, Kate? See, what oh, you got for us? Is it made a word? Is the word, oh my goodness me? Well, I'm, I'm not going to check the bottom of the ladder. Okay, so the ladder check this week is that there is the first three teams spell out G-A-R. Can I get you all to tell me... What that sounds like? Gar? Gar. Does that sound like a tiger to you? Oh, <laughs> oh it does. Oh, no. I think it's tiger. pirate to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't think like a pirate. I think we're, selling, we're selling the long John Meyer here. <laughs> In the steel side bottom. This is my very scientific analysis of the ladder. I think that sounds a bit like a tiger. I think that means Richmond are up and about. Maybe, I mean, I'm going to call it, they're going to win the flag. Oh. Um, I'm joking. Nice. I actually think Geelong is looking really good. They're on top of the ladder. Hawthorne are consistent at long last. They've been beaten by 86 <laughs> points in a row, in uh, two weeks in a row. So great stuff from Hawthorne. Um, Adelaide, I reckon, is playing fantastic yeah. footy. And awesome. I want to say that I'm, you know, I've started to wonder whether Adelaide is going to do the really, really rare <laughs> AFLW AFLM double. I think it's possible. It's pretty rare, that one. It's extremely rare. I can't remember the last time I saw (laughs) it. I completely disagree with you. I think obviously Geelong beat Hawthorne by a lot, but I didn't think they looked that good. Is that controversial to say that? I mean, they beat us by 86 points. Obviously, we're looking terrible. I just think it's actually hard to know. Because if you put a bracket around the 11 straight goals and just put that to one side, (laughs) first half they didn't look that great. No. But... Maybe you know sometimes teams I think have a way of coming down yes. to the level that you're playing. Yes. yes. Oh, we did that to them. I think yeah. we're, yeah. we're that team. And they still beat us by 86 points. Mm. That's not a good sign. Um, what, did you guys like Good Friday footy? Loved it. Loved everything about it. Yeah, I liked mm. it too. I thought it was a fantastic um, match apart from anything else, which I think did a lot for the future of Good Friday footy. Mm. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it too. And I think um, fans loved it because it television audiences peaked at 1.06 million. It, it's the hole we didn't know we had, you know. It's, fill, it's yeah. filled a hole. I yeah. kind of like the hole, though. I miss a hole. Can we not have one public holiday in the football season? You've got Christmas Day. Have... What's your problem? <laughs> in the football season. That Again, doesn't actually you've got have... Christmas Day. What's your problem? Like, oh, it's look, pre-season training for the AFLW. So that was my original take going into it, I have to say. But I... 
the game itself was pretty exciting, although, you know, we'll come back to the third man ruck debacle in the third quarter, at the end of the third quarter. But I have to say the actual lead up with Zane when Brad Scott brought him to the press, uh, conference. press conference afterwards and he got to run through the the um, hmm. run through and all of the Good Friday appeal stuff. It did um, they they still made a record amount of money for the Good absolutely. Friday appeal. So and little that's good. Jed who came out and did the coin toss on his yep. sixth birthday. Mm. I think what was really lovely was you know, we know that football's just a game and but that was just Is perspective it? in your face. You know, there's there are bigger things going yeah. on in the world. And I think where football's lovely is it gives you a bit of a respite sometimes. And um, But it was really lovely seeing those stories of those boys. Yeah, yeah and I've, I've come you, around. Yeah, I've come I, around. I want to give huge props to Jake Stringer, who, who did the oh. bunny ears oh. um, when he kicked the first goal. I think, uh, you know, I was watching it with friends. We wondered what that was all about. And then we saw afterwards that he had told a sick child at the Royal Children's Hospital that if he kicked yeah. a goal, he would do those bunny ears for her. And I just thought that was beautiful to me. Um, that kind of gave the day, the the game a, a really special feel. And I mm. thought it was terrific. It was yeah, beautiful. It was. It was great to see it being absolute cracker of a game. Yeah, it was. And I just wanted to do a huge shout out to our homegirl, Mel Forge. There she was sitting on the bench. If you haven't caught up with um, Mel Forge, we interviewed her last year and it's just great to see women sitting on the bench, not because she didn't get picked. Because she works for North Melbourne, um, just see her sitting there being a boss like she is. We love you, Mel, so much. Now, you wanted to talk about the winners, Nicole. Among them, we will not be talking about the Hawthorne Football Club. So I'm sorry, go who? your hardest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very exciting. Adelaide, I think, of all of the three who are now 4-0, and the Cats and Adelaide and the Tigers, I think Adelaide's the most exciting to watch. Led by Eddie, no surprise there. He certainly answered any uh, critics if there were any left Still standing, really extraordinary football and probably one of the most exciting things to happen at the moment. Tex Walker did all right too. And the whole, I, I just think their entire club, there's so much there to, to love, isn't there? Yeah, there was, it was actually a really good response to what had been a really hard week. Yeah. When you come out and kick that many goals, you really silence. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful football. Yeah, it really that, is that beautiful. Was, that was the thing that really struck me that I've missed clearly because of the matches I've been watching. I've missed watching football at that level and mm. that skill and, yeah, it was beautiful to watch. I want to say that there's something happening at Adelaide and it was started by um, the AFLW and it was started by Bet Goddard. Let's just go to a new segment we call Bet Goddard Watch. Lucy, <laughs> um, Lucy, you've got a really, I don't know what word I want to use here, interesting, perplexing, perplexing debilitatingly annoying, um, rage-inducing article over there. Well, I do. Before Beck was coach of the Adelaide AFLW team, um, she was the forwards coach for the Woodville West Torrens Eagles under-18s and was prepared to go back and, you know, pick up that role again. But they've told her that she's no longer required and that they don't want her because she's been part of the Crows and... I think there's a great rivalry in the Sandfall and that politics seems to be um, wielding its illogical head. Have they put out a statement? Well, in the article that I read, which was on the AFL website, no, they didn't didn't answer the calls. I feel like it's questioning her integrity, which I think is pretty shoddy. This is a and football heads. Where are their football heads? This is an incredibly accomplished coach with incredible integrity. She brings so much joy and you know great publicity to any club that would have her. Crazy. 
shooting themselves. I just think you know, like if if you if she was a good coach last season, Mm. she's a better coach now. Totally. And I think you know her credentials are just probably above that particular role. It's interesting to question the integrity of her being able to keep those two things separate when she has been working for the Australian Federal Police in what what would have been a really highly classified role for a really long time. Um, I think this is just stupid. I think it's dirty. I think it's stupid. It's idiocy. And you know what, I think though, it's fe- small-minded politics. Max of small-minded. Yep. Max more than a forwards coach for an under-18 team. Well, yeah. Though, so yeah. There's a great, there must be a great opportunity for someone to just snap up a premiership-winning coach right mm. now. But instinctively or with your gut, what do you think about having to say a cat go to the Box Hill Hawks from, you know, or uh, not just the cat, but um, someone from the AFLW, like uh, a demon go in and, and, and coach the under 18s would be, be okay. Is it, it just instinctively? Yeah. Anyone with that amount of intellectual property, um, just of experience, I'm not talking about tactical ground stuff. And that she wasn't, she wasn't in on the men's games. She wasn't coaching the men. She wasn't getting, she wasn't passing on information between clubs. This is, we know that this is a completely different game. And do you know why it annoys me so much and it's because we're not starting from a level playing field and I think it's because women have to take other roles all the time and when they come back to the workplace they deserve to walk back into that job Mm. if they're more highly skilled than when they left which is the case here. That's what I'll say. You've both got your hands up. Felicity and Kate (laughs) fight it out amongst yourselves. I'm angry. I was going to say we we should name a segment each week Emma's rant because go Emma. But no what I was going to say is it really comes back to that whole idea that when you work for a club, you you are a professional and you work for them. Um, the people who are, you know, we talk about this all the time, you know, it's the members and the supporters are the heart and soul. But every club employs professionals and they move from club to club. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and there is no way that you can leave one club and go to another without taking some information with you. Mm. That's what happens. Mm. That's In what fact, happens across that's every... what is an advantage to you. Mm. Yeah. Correct. I, I wanted to say, I mean, I agree with you, Emma. I mean, one of the really important points to make, I think, is the one that you've just made, that, you know, this is kind of a product of what happens when you have uh, women working in a part-time competition and she's, you know, going going between roles and this would not have happened if she were a full-time um, coach who had a long-term contract with Adelaide mm-hmm. and so on. And, but... You know, I also feel like I need, I want to be really petty here and mm. say that, you know, like it's their loss and I want to mm. do that thing you do when your boyfriend breaks up with you and mm. you go, nee, 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 whatever, mm. I was mm. better than you anyway. Because what, <laughs> what you know, you, you, you don't deserve me. You sort of think, what, do they deserve Beck no, Goddard? They, 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 they don't. They don't. They don't. But they no, clearly they think that they've got some intellectual property that would so be special. incredibly dangerous mm. if mm. it went back into the hands of the Adelaide Crows. So. Yep. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Hey, let's move on. There's something that's been catching my eye and I don't like it. I don't like it. Are you going to rant? I'm going to rant again. I just feel for Ty Vickery. Look, I know that he's had one of those careers that he's been had stuff heaped on him all the time and admittedly Richmond are, you know, four and zip and Hawthorne's zip and four. Is that the way you say it? The other way around. Sure. Makes Whatever. sense. Uh, it's not Ty Vickery's fault. Um, there was an interesting tweet this week by Tim Boyle. Does anyone yeah, have that on no, hand? I do, yeah. So Tim Boyle, some of our listeners will remember, played uh, Hawthorne, uh, football for Hawthorne, and he now is um, a writer. Um, he's quite an accomplished writer, actually, and he has some really interesting reflections on the game. I think he was one of those maligned players for Hawthorne back mm. in the day, and he tweeted this week, he said, I can't wait to spend the rest of the AFL season listening to people behind a desk slag off the characters, keeping them employed, which I 
couldn't help but think was some kind of reference to Thai Vickery. Mm. It may have been to others as well, but it certainly was a statement about that general principle where certain players come to bear the brunt of all of their fans' frustrations. Yeah. And people have been talking about the so-called Vickery curse, that he cursed Richmond and now he's cursing Hawthorne. You have to wonder what toll that takes on someone like him. Which is a lovely opportunity for us to introduce the guest that we have on the show this week, who is Matt Spanger, and we speak to him about this very thing. But I want to give him the justice of an introduction that this man deserves, okay? (laughs) Famously described by journalists as half rock god, half Jesus. (laughs) Matt Spanger was widely considered a cult hero for both his his style and his tenacity at forging an AFL career despite multiple injury setbacks. You'll remember he played for the Swans, the West Coast Eagles and Hawthorne. This week, Lucy and I caught up with him. He is a grand final premiership medalist, but he also had to sit on the sidelines and watch the teams that he played for playing grand finals. We caught up with him and we did ask him about those much maligned players and what the psychology is around supporting them through this kind of time. Enjoy our chat with Matt Spanger. I feel like you might get a game this week. <laughs> Matt Spanger, thank you for coming on the Outer Sanctum. No, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Now, you are on the list for the Swans, the Eagles and the Hawks. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Well, you're going to take over from um, here. Well, I was, but that's fine. <laughs> you just talk over the top of me. No, um, so, and all of those clubs won flags when you weren't playing in the actual game. So, yeah. of course, Hawthorne 2014 changed that view. But can you talk us through the psychology of being on a list at a really successful club and not getting a game? Yeah, it's uh, well, certainly initially it was probably just exciting. So my first year at the Eagles was the year they won the Premiership and uh, some clubs are different. Some clubs try and convince you that you're, you're a part of it um, and, you know, like you've made a difference. And to some extent there is some truth to that, but it's difficult, I suppose, to, to really feel or believe that when you see the celebrations and mm-hmm. even just the recognition that the boys get for their efforts on the day. Mm-hmm. So it is difficult. Uh, you don't really particularly feel like getting a, getting around a lot of the celebrations early. There's more often than not a divide between guys who just who are on the fringe, who then will go off and do their own thing, and then the 22 often play. Like that's it's credit to any club that can break that divide, but it's yeah. it'll happen yeah. almost everywhere. It certainly happened in the five that I've had experience with. So, as I said, some are better than others. It wasn't as gut wrenching to miss out on 2013. I was. It was an emergency, so it was kind of like one step closer than the year before, I guess. <laughs> um, and then a year later. Yeah, well, it's it's funny how things work out, but I, I remember watching the Grand Final 2013 and I suppose you get a, a moment in your own career where you're like, that, enough's enough, like I'm going to play in one of these. Like I can only sit on the sidelines <laughs> for, so, for so long. But I, uh, I yeah, I suppose I'd... I'd always been a big believer on, you know, do the work and you know, you'll get your rewards mm. for it. But there's a little bit of schmoozing that needs to happen at AFL level to a certain degree. Yeah. To a certain degree. Some might disagree with me on that, but you need a little bit of brown nosing is required on occasion and within reason. Yeah, of course, a bit of, luck. Yeah, of, a bit of luck. yeah, like you need stuff to go your way. Yeah, certainly. Would you say um, it felt like you, Max Bailey, and also I'd say Ryan Schoenmakers, it felt mm. like their playing group felt like they owed you something, like that there was a real determination to get you guys the, a grand final medal. Is that just 
our perception on the outside or was that would you say that that's correct on the inside it's a it's a nice feeling to say oh well, it's a nice sentiment to say that i suppose there'd be some truth to that i certainly think with i mean everyone's got their own motivations but certainly 2013 i think it was the whole team and max yeah. beautifully was part of that i mean he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you his body didn't have too many games left yeah. in it so it was amazing to see someone who sort of toiled through so much hardship have such great reward and also a terrific fellow himself the following year, and it's, I mean, obviously the boys winning three in a row is an amazing effort, but I mean, we had the fortune of talking to uh, Jason Dunstall throughout that year, and he mentioned that um, through all the time that the Hawks dominated the 80s, they only went back to back once, and that was really difficult. Like, it's a really difficult thing to do, um, and obviously, I mean, it hasn't mm. been done, I mean, it's been done a couple of times, but we were really lucky that there was a good six blokes. We had three blokes. Two retire, the one being Max and Brent Guerra, and then obviously Buddy going to Sydney mm. in 2014. So there was automatically three new spots, and then injuries occur and whatnot. So then I think we had six new players in uh, in 2013, and sorry, in 2014. And I think the big one, not so much myself, but certainly um, like Matty Suckling, yeah. who having lost in 2012 and then doing his knee yeah. in 2000, and so that they were they were themselves big motivations. But we had. Um, had just a really special group there. The blokes who, a lot of those guys who played in 2014 who didn't play in 2013 had the success of the VFL Premiership and yeah. really felt that they deserved to be there and they were good enough to be there. And that probably carried on again to 2015. So I know the boys played in the grand final, the VFL grand final 2014 mm, yeah. and lost, unfortunately. But again, you know, you get to that sort of success, level of success to some capacity, certainly spurs blokes on. Um, in regards to Ryan, great story. Like, I'm... Yeah. I'm for whatever reason, a much maligned player. Well, I want to ask you um, about that. I yeah. want to ask you, when you think about um, um, Ryan Schoenmakers and Tyrone Vickery's copping at the moment, but um, Brett Stanton's also been one for mm. Essendon, and it's a real quirk of fandom around the AFL mm. when, a team, when a team's own supporters turn on someone. Mm. And obviously you're aware of that. You're aware of it playing, that people don't have that confidence in a guy like Ryan. But he seems to be really loved by the players. What's the psychology around that within the club? Like, how, yeah. how do you deal with that? Uh, well, we don't, don't really acknowledge it because, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. It's the same way you deal with a scathing article in the media. Like, you kind of just have to laugh it off. It's the business you're in. People are mm-hmm. going to form their own public opinions of you. Like, you... Some blokes handle it better than others, naturally, but it is an unofficial thing that what you sign up for. In regards to Ryan specifically, players love him because he plays his role. And that's a big thing that Hawthorne built their success off. And he might not be the player that gets, you know, 30 possessions a game or kicks that many goals, but he allows other blokes around him to perform as well as they can. And... uh, I often sit in the, in the stands with my with my friends and they will say something. I was like, you have no idea how important him standing there is yeah. in general and how hard it is for him to work that way. And, and look, it's, it gets lost on fans sometimes because not that they don't understand the game, but people want to see flashy stuff and people love stats and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I think of other players that have had the similar sort of relationship. I think it's more if you're not going to be a star or kick amazing goals, fans probably just want to see effort. Um, yeah. And... I mean, I could probably think of a couple of examples in the AFL, like who have got players who've got laconic natures, like Jack Watts is certainly one that springs to yeah. mind. That he's a skilled player, and now in a team that's going a little bit better, you can see how good he is. Yeah. But because he's just a laconic player, 
um, fans tend to turn on you a little bit and you always come with the hype of being a high draft pick and certainly like so Ryan was a first round yeah. uh, I think Ty himself was first round they're, mm. they're always going to be reason to ridicule unfortunately but it is what it is and those blokes naturally will get more time in the AFL because they are high draft picks and there's mm. more of an investment so there's maybe a little bit of that to it as well but again I can't really speak for Ty and, and Jack as, as, except as an observer but Ryan I can tell you yeah great person great team man Players love playing with him um, just purely because he's predictable and you know what you're going to get. So, um, which is I think he won Best Clubman a few. Um, was, it, was that Ryan? He, no, that was me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, I couldn't. Um, he might have won it before my time, but I certainly I, not whilst I'll I was there. I'll go back into the record books. Yeah, you, yeah. Have to, you have to check. It's a tough environment, and you've had a really tough go with injuries. Has football been a happy place for you? Uh, I'd say majorly yes. There were certainly at times I, um, I really felt the effects of it, and I mean that's when you lean on friends and family probably more than you'd mm. like to admit. I mean I certainly did, but there were times it was really bad. I know um, certainly when I got delisted from the Eagles, that was tough to cop. That was probably a bit more like alarming, but I'm silver lining to that. I mean I remember you know you get the you have the conversation with your coach, pretty cutthroat. You're no longer required clean out your locker and then you go sit in your car and you're like, shit, what am I going to do now? Sorry about my language. Um, but, um, and you know, I was at the time I was 23. I'd just bought a house in Perth, you know, probably the top of the market. So that in itself wasn't the best of the decisions. But, you know, I didn't have any official qualifications other than, you know, mm. a couple of uni subjects that I'd finished. I'd certainly just moseyed through my uni degree at that stage. You, you kind of, they tell you footage is not going to last forever, but yeah. you, I suppose you don't really want to acknowledge it to a certain degree until you get a bit of a wake-up call. So for me, that was a wake-up call. for So even though as difficult as that was, blessed with the second opportunity at Sydney, got my act together as far as having an off-field interest. Yeah. But again, certainly the terrible hamstring against Brisbane la, in, yeah, last year, mm-hmm. I, I knew that was it. So Clark had said to me pretty candidly, as he always does with most of his players, that... You know, if you have another injury middle year, as I did in 2015, that'll be it. And I was probably on the the cusp of my time limits about getting back into the side. Mm. Finally got the body right enough to play. And obviously, you know, two yeah. minutes into a game, tear my hamstring. And then I was out, and significantly too, so out for 10 weeks or so. So that's just the nature of the game. But, I mean, I can't be too bitter. I mean, you have so much success. And to be part of what I think is probably the greatest team that I've seen play, that was... That was so special in itself. So you've got to take the good with the bad. The, you must feel the love. Like we've spoken to your partner about this as well, that when you're walking around, people see you and they feel they feel a real warmth towards you and a happiness for you that you had that success. So I hope that you still feel that. Yeah, certainly. I mean, even now, you know, you walk around and someone will just scream your name on the street. I mean, it's pretty – it is nice. And like, and I mean, the end. Yeah, it is. Like, it is weird. I mean, I – Australians love an underdog to some capacity yeah. and I certainly fit the bill there from a football perspective. Well, another thing that has won fans over, which, and this is going to sound so creepy, but following you on Instagram, which sounds really creepy, mm. you see that you actually, um, you're one of those people and players, if you like, that actually, you actually wear your heart on your sleeve and you talk about issues and you are not afraid to beat yourself. I suppose, uh, well, for me, obviously, particularly with, in regards to equality and homophobia in sport, my, my sister's gay and love it a bit and we're really blessed that she, we've got a family that welcomes her and her partner in, but unfortunately, some people and some families don't have that, that blessing, but um, for me, that was probably the, what initiated it, but I also... 
I'm not going to say I certainly got enough of a profile to. I don't. Not a big stand on a soapbox kind of person. I don't. I don't think that. I think everyone's entitled to make up their own opinion, to to a certain extent. But I. It's nice that I, my profile probably elevated to a point where maybe I could reach a few more people and. And there's so much power in education anyway. And I suppose that's all I'd like to do is just try and encourage people to look into issues more than they may already be doing. And so in regards to equality, um, both in Australia, but also um, like homophobia in sport, it's, it is all about education. I know many, many years ago, you talk about race, racial stuff, particularly with Indigenous people. People were probably unaware of how offensive some of the language that was used around, around Indigenous people and their culture. And many people today are still aren't aware of that. And I suppose in regards to the gay and lesbian community, the, there's, the language is, a, is also an issue and there's still things, there are similarities to a certain extent. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's nice to find something that you're passionate about that, um, that you like getting involved with. And you mentioned Angie Green, she's just, like, just a beautiful soul as a person and infectious in the way she goes about it. So I am lucky that I, I didn't have the resources or even the know-how to start something like that or nor do I know how to get something like that going. So for something yeah. like Angie to approach myself and many other fantastic ambassadors and we can get involved to it as much as we'd like, essentially, like there's no, there's no pressure. And, but for me, it, it probably stems from the passion of my sister and seeing some of the hardships that maybe she went through externally, mm. uh, not so much internally. And obviously she herself was battling demons, you know, in her adolescence, feeling un- uncomfortable like, mm. just because she didn't know how to approach I suppose the topic and you could see as soon as you know she felt the love and embrace from the family that her um, just her demeanor completely changed and so I see that and I know how powerful it can be and I probably that's probably where a big extent of the the passion comes from. I want to believe that there's less racial vitriol and homophobic slurs being bandied around either from over the fence or Mm. on the ground has that changed in your time of playing footy? Yeah I suppose I've definitely, I've definitely heard comments and um, unfortunately like words like gay and fag or faggot are thrown around um, far too easily um, and in a demonstrative nature and that's part of the process of trying to change that. Um, it's probably far more prevalent at a lower level yeah. than it is at the AFL. I think the AFL players, they're lucky that they get the benefit of education in that space. They've, the AFLPA lead the way on, te- on workshops about respect and responsibility in regards to women, race, and now sexuality, so they re- and mental health is the other big one. So mm-hmm. which and and they are often well connected. So it definitely is prevalent. That is part of the changing process, and I, and I know again, not getting off my soapbox, but I know it's not going to change overnight. But um, the more people you can spruik in the message, or and it's 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 a one around the chain rooms that you know if I heard uh, if I heard someone use some of the language like that, I'd just be like, hey, come on, mate, like you know better than that, like. And it took me eight, ten years to have the confidence to maybe do something like that. Wow. And that's someone who cares passionately about it. So that's uh, – and because you never know how it's going to be received or like, you know, like, oh, no, my, you know, my superior is going to you know, think less of me or whatever. But you get to a point where you're just like, I, I don't care. Like, the cause is probably bigger than the, yeah. than the, side, or the side effects in that case. Can I ask you a question about your off-field stuff, the work that you're doing? Now, this is going to embarrass you greatly, mm. but we've heard – you're actually really like incredibly impressive and smart in the boardroom or oh. whatever it is that you're doing. And 
I have this long-held hope that Sam Mitchell's gone to upskill so he can come back to Hawthorne and coach and that you might at the same time be the CEO. Oh, here we is go. This, um, <laughs> is this a dream that I need to let go or is is that a possibility um, that that's where you're working towards? Uh, that's, that's definitely where I'm working towards, whether or not the stars can align and Sam and I will both be there at the same <laughs> time. No, look, I, I've always had aspirations to work sports administration Currently, I find myself working in Netball Australia and really enjoy it. Some really exciting times there now with the launch of the new Netball League. Hectic, but very exciting. Um, and obviously a new CEO as well. So, And Marnie Fechner is a, a great leader and um, I really enjoy the opportunity to learn as much as I can from her and work underneath. So I do, I do have aspirations to work right up the corporate ladder, so to speak. Whatever level that is, I'm not sure yet. But um, I suppose I'd, my ultimate aim is I'd love to get back into football eventually it's where my passion lies yeah. um, and I'd like to probably combine my passion of football and business to a certain extent as well so Matt we often we finish our interviews asking a question because we quite like how it kind of shows where people are how's your relationship with football going right uh, now probably mixed to be honest mm. the most common question I get at the moment is who do I go for um, I don't know. I don't know where my relationship is. I suppose initially I was very keen to have some time off, but just the nature of the season being, you know, five, it's six months apart, mm. you almost get the time yeah. off you needed and not having having partake in pre-season or anything like that. There's no, there's no like, oh, you know, I need a break or anything like yeah. that. That attitude sort of ceases to exist. So by the time the footy rolled around, uh, I didn't watch any of the pre-season games just purely because I was too busy and never read too much into them anyway, but... Come round one, I was you know sitting in front of the TV and very keen to watch. Do you follow Melbourne in the AFLW? Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't follow the AFLW much because it coincided almost to the week with netball Nipple. launching. Um, I actually went to go to the first game and I couldn't, couldn't get, get near it. Um, so and I'm, I haven't picked a team in the, in the AFLW yet. I'm kind of waiting for I suppose all teams to get get a team and then we'll see yeah, where my okay. allegiance lies yeah. well we're going to be watching and seeing what beanie you turn up with mm. so um thank yeah. you so much for spending some time with us and having a chat with us on the outer sanctum no thank you so much for having me really appreciate Fist it bump. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to matt's banger he was an absolute delight and as a courtesy of our love and respect for this man. I, I know we don't do stats and facts here. I mean, Katie, you sometimes do like stats them. and facts, yeah. but I got in contact with Josh Kay, who is the stats and facts man to the stars, aka Bruce McAvaney, and I asked him for his best Spanger stat, and this is what he came up with. In the Spanger years at Hawthorne, which was 2013 to 16, the Hawks winning percentage when Spanger played was 95.8%, and when he didn't play, just 72.4%. Say no more. So it's his fault. <laughs> we asked him if he wanted to have a game, you know, get a game this week, actually. So thanks to Josh Cave um, for that. He's been such a great supporter of us. We actually might speak to him down the track. Um, but the other thing we wanted to mention is that Matt Spanger is on the board and is an ambassador for stand-up events. And Move In May is a fun and inclusive walk slash run if you want to do it that coincides with Ida Hot Day. And um, you'll know that we spoke to Angie Green a long, long time 
time ago, but she's a dear friend of the podcast. So if you want to get along, they've ha- they have some super super ambassadors, and that is such a fun day. So you should get along. Um, I think you have to maybe register, pre-register. Mm. You I'm do. Not sure if you can and yeah, just day. for those who don't know, Idaho is the in, if I get it right, I think the International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia, right. and um, so it's worth googling that move in May move and in stand May. up events to yep. find out a little bit more. Um, this week, Katie, you saw something interesting on the um, on the sidelines of a basketball match. I did, and I'm so I'm appointing myself the um, basketball correspondent for this week, despite <laughs> despite the fact I know very little about basketball. I know very little about much, but it doesn't stop me from expressing an opinion. Um, <laughs> so something really interesting happened during the NBA playoffs this week, and some of you guys might have um, heard about this. Isaiah Thomas plays for Boston, and sadly, uh, the day before the NBA playoffs match that he was due to play in, his sister was killed in a car accident. And there was a lot of speculation about how he would cope and whether he would play and he decided that he would play in that game. And just before the game was broadcast, I think maybe about an hour before the game, some footage was taken of him um, sitting courtside, basically, uh, with his teammate and good friend, Avery Bradley, and he was in tears. He was sobbing. You know, the kind of ethics of having taken that footage and broadcast it is another question altogether. But uh, certainly this generated a, a, a big conversation, particularly um, vocal was Charles Barkley, who's an NBA legend and now a commentator. And Barkley came forward and said that, you know, a few of the direct quotes, he said that seeing Isaiah Thomas crying before the game makes me feel uncomfortable because that tells me he's not in shape to play. He also said this is not a good look, seeing somebody cry like this, and I'm not comfortable with him sitting on the sideline crying like that. Again, I think it's really, apart from anything else, don't forget that this was a private moment between him and a close friend of his before the game, and whether they should have broadcast that footage is a different question. But I think the bigger discussion that came out of that, which I think was a very important one, was how people in and around sport respond to and talk about a person's right to express emotion and to grieve. Charles Barkley has now come out and tried to defend himself and I watched the footage of him doing so. He said, I didn't mean to say that he he couldn't express emotion or that he didn't have a right to to grieve. It was all taken out of context. To be fair, I'm not sure that it was taken out of context, but he called anybody who was criticising him, he said that that we were all scumbags, nitwits, idiots and punks, which was (laughs) a charming way to, to deal with it. But, you know, I think the really important aspect of this, and we've talked about this a lot actually over this year and with our interview with Matt Spanger this week, is about, you know, footballers being humans. Grieving is a socially acceptable activity. I know it's a kind of bold statement to make. It can be harmful to suppress feelings, I think, for people. And what was really interesting is that this whole discussion happened this week at just the same time as a really high-profile public discussion happened about grief, and that was that Prince, where Prince Harry... Um, decided to speak on a podcast in the UK called Mad World. We just it, couldn't get him on ours. We were trying. <laughs> well, he's our next... Maybe next week. He's next, next week, week, our next guest. I mean, it's just a matter of time until he comes on here. But look, a massive kudos to Prince Harry because he was the first guest on that uh, program. It's a program exploring high-profile people's experiences of mental health and it's designed to break down the stigma associated with mental health. Um, and one of the, the things that Prince Harry really pr- pressed was that he had experienced the death of his mum when he was 12. He said, I'm a public figure. I was grieving publicly. I didn't know how to grieve. It was really difficult. And so what I did is didn't express emotion at all and I buried my head in the sand and, and I've paid for it now. And he was really trying to encourage people who 
who've had difficulties or who have experienced these kind of things to come forward and speak. And at the same time, we've got Charles Parkley um, saying this kind of stuff. You know, it reminded me years ago, my sisters and I were at a family funeral and we were literally on the way coming out of the church with the coffin in front of us. And one of my relatives, who maybe is from the sort of Charles Barkley School of Emotion, said, all right, ladies, time for tears is over. Oh, right. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, my sisters and I joke about it a lot now. We say it all the time. All right, come on, you know, buck up, stiff upper lip. Time for tears is over. Um, The time for tears is not over. The time for tears is is never over. Um, But one last thing I want to say about Isaiah Thomas is that Kind of despite myself, I, I just have to say this. I he, he played. It doesn't matter at all how he played. It wouldn't have mattered if he never got a touch. But he played and he was the best player mm. on the court. He scored mm. 33 points. They just lost. But he was amazing. He annihilated it. And, you know, not that that should be the marker of anything. He didn't have to prove himself to anyone. But what an achievement. And, yeah, it was a, a huge week and a huge game for him. And if you spend that much time with a sporting team, they become your family. So... Wouldn't it not be natural to want to grieve with them, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And grief and I, is uniting as well. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, and that's that's an interesting point, what you say, Felicity, about family, because when you hear someone like Bob Murphy talking this week, he was talking about how, you know, when you're injured, often you have to sit outside of that family and that's a an extra um, difficulty. Mm. So I think, I think you're onto something. Hmm. I mean, one of the other points is that, uh, and I've talked a little bit about this before, but, you know, there is this kind of opposition that's set up between emotion and reason, between men and women. It's very gendered and particularly the expression expression of emotion by men is, is really often devalued. And that troubles me quite a lot. And um, I, I think, as you say, you know, why would why would anyone criticise a man who is expressing his emotions and going through that normal grieving process? It's so important and very natural and normal thing to do. And I think if you find yourself watching somebody cry and talking about how it makes you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> that might be a good time to shut up. Because <laughs> just a thought. Yeah, because it sounds like he didn't just say it once. No, it sounds like he said it like yeah. if that's his only reasoning. I, know. I wonder. You know. I wonder what um, Charles Barkley thinks about Prince William. If we've got a comment from him on. Oh, Prince Harry. Oh, Prince yeah. Harry. So. Yeah, Prince William wow. did come out and talk about mental health with Lady Gaga via Skype this week. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, do. It looks, it's amazing. It's really amazing. One thing a little disconcerting is Gaga looks a lot like she's dressed up like Kate Middleton. Oh, <laughs> oh that's awkward. So a bit of, oh, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what you think about that. Um, but look, if you haven't heard the Prince Harry interview, you can just download it. As I said, the podcast is called Mad World and it's really worth listening to. I really enjoyed listening to him. He's so endearing and it's um, yeah. very open and honest discussion that's really important to, to hear. Lucy, you just brought up Bob. Bob's got his 300th game this week. I reckon we'll see a lot of emotion about Bob. Like he's he's mm. so the man, isn't he? He is and he's designed a new jumper mm. for them to wear. It's got a collar. How do you feel about I feel nervous about all the jumpers. I go like, where do all the jumpers go? Like, where's the, like there's so many jumpers. Do they just keep selling them? And oh, There's so much merch around, the you know? Bin. There's only so many op shops. And I love that he was, it was the whole retro thing because it's going back to, you know, he growing up, he was watching the ablets, the carries, and the beverages. I love, I reckon Luke Beveridge would be pretty happy about being mm. put <laughs> in that all, sentence. Um, should we all call him Robert for the day? Because <laughs> he's a grown up. Well, no, when he started, he was Robert. Oh, true. And he, when, he was also 67 kilograms. 
Mm. Let, have a little think about that. It's like a Victoria's Secret I don't want to model. talk about our own weight here, but hello, mm. um, 300 games later, and you have to be, I mean, he's he's just a delightful human being in, on every level. You've got Three, to celebrate. 300 games is quite an extraordinary achievement. Mm. I think, you know, I know we don't do stats here, and so I don't know that <laughs> this might not be real, but I think I read there's only something like 76 players who've ever reached that milestone. Wow. That's like quite a specific number. To, yeah, it, it is a specific like, number. Cool. I'm sure you can let me know if it's wrong. Look, the other thing to do is I know that we've had a segment in recent weeks called Banner Watch. The <laughs> banner will be one to watch this oh, weekend yeah. because Danny McGinley um, tweeted uh, yesterday that one of the ideas he's toying with for a banner in honour of Bob this week is to write Radiohead suck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very yeah. poetic. Um, at the footy, Alicia, there was those... You've got to tell the story. Well, you may have noticed when you go to the footy, a certain water company has got is has tied in with the game and has got their uh, different team clubs on the bottles, which is fine and all, all that. But they also provide pump up your team. I sort of gave away a little bit there. And I love the fact that it's got pump because I'm perpetually pumped. <laughs> but it is just this plastic thing that you blow up and hits other people with. That's the only thing. You're supposed to, I think, wave it around and get all excited. Bang them together. Bang them together. Yeah, but what noise is that? But what happened in front of me was all these people just banging it and it's deflating instantly. (laughs) And then the kids just start crying and throw it away. So it just ends up as Mm. landfill. So these plastic official water banging things... Is that their that's, title? That's the official, official yeah, name. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think they're made of re- the recycled spirit of Hawthorne supporters, though. So I think that it's kind of circle of life and all that. That's deflated. That's why they deflate so quickly. And the water bottle's full of our tears. I get that. But seriously, <laughs> they may have been made with recyclable materials. I don't think so. But where is it going? Because they work for 3.2 seconds. Yeah. I, I feel like it. that about getting a new scarf every year. I feel really awkward yes. about it. I don't like it. Do no. you stop? I recently. Doubt. I've asked if you can opt out, and they're like, "Oh, it's just too too hard." We've just opened the can. <laughs> I think some, some clubs say, "Oh, you can have a scarf or a hat." But who needs a new scarf every year? Yeah, Lu- no. Lucy likes it. I love it because mm. I have a whole superstition around it. But I'm Imagine actually that. about to revisit my superstitions because they're not working. <laughs> yeah. You know, my old scarves, my. Mum's sewed them all together into a beautiful big nana blanket. That's perfect. It's yeah, actually it's beautiful. Good. So if you do have lots of old member scarves. Donate yeah, them to you. Find someone who can sew and, uh, mm. yeah, they make a nice warm blanket. I'd like to together. issue a challenge to Alicia for next week to try and repurpose those water bangy deflaty oh. things into something. A bikini. Oh, yeah, a bikini. Always straight to the boobs, I'll have to shave Alicia. though. Yeah. <laughs> She's boob heavy. She's pumped. She's pumped. <laughs> shave my boobs. Yep. Oh, that didn't that come out be, the way I wanted that it to. should be your motto. Alicia sometimes boob heavy. <laughs> hey, can I issue, I know I've had my one rant for the day, but um, mm, I have think I? It's over. I'm going for 3.5. If Sam Mitchell does in fact play this Who? weekend Hawthorne West Coast, I have been issued a warning from my dear sister Lucy who said, if you love someone, set them free and if they come back, they're yours and if they don't, they never were. So watch this space. Can we not boo? Can we just not boo? Hawthorne supporters? Can, sad losers? can we not boo? Please I, don't I boo. boo. I don't think anyone will boo because I don't think anyone will actually go. Like, who'd want to watch that? I think they will boo. Oh. I think they will make those booey noises. Boo. I don't they like will. it. Hey, um, anything that you're looking forward to else in this round? I am really looking forward to watching the Richmond-Melbourne game, which is becoming a bit of a um, one of those a big thing. games, the pre-Anzac Day 
game. It's going to be a cracker. I think it's going to be really close to a sellout crowd. And those two teams are flying. And how awesome is it that mm. Richmond, Melbourne is the one I'm looking forward to? I know. Mm. It's exciting for everyone. Sydney versus GWS. Yeah. going to be a corker. Absolute mm. cracker too. Oh. Agreed. And we have the big Anzac Day match. Yeah. Oh, that That's as well. Good. It's kind of for oh, me, it, it, I don't know if you've ever been, but it, it's... It's better than the grand final, you know, in terms of fans, because mm-hmm. you really do just have the fans of both teams. It there. almost costs the same amount now that Essendon's pumped yes. up the um, the yeah. ticket price by like you know fifty percent, eighty percent, eighty percent. There you go. We've got any advance on eighty percent, mm, and it'll sell out still. Of course it will. Of course it will. Hey, um, it is time for us to go and get out of here. But last week we talked about Eddie Betts and he answered his critics and we have a beautiful package that we have borrowed from our friends at Grandstand to um, close today's show with. We want to thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Matthew Spanger, who was our guest, and we will speak to you next week. Bye-bye. See you. Go footy. There's no spot for racism, whether you're at the footy or whether you're walking down the street. We're Super United as a footy club and we want to stop it. we're sick to death of it. It's racism and, and we want to stomp it out of the game and, you know, when's enough is enough. So it affects me, but, but it affects people around me more. You know, my wife, Anna, she was uh, very upset with it this week. You know, just the hatred of it. We sort of supported Eddie in a number of ways this week and... Um, yeah, from Eddie's viewpoint, he's now looking forward to playing. You know, I'll go out there and be myself. I've just got to continue being myself, you know, being my um, up-bubbly, smiley self and um, <laughs> and just keep doing that. Eddie Betts and Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody in the centre uh, circle now doing the toss. They just embraced great symbolism here tonight with the two Indigenous players. Bounce down, out of the pack. Kelly, picked up by Eddie Betts, we Very quick, very smooth and... Extremely accurate, turns around having taken the mark. Deep penetrating kick looking for Eddie Pushed off his man and took the mark. And rushing out Hampton, he goes for the short pass. And if ever there's anybody that you don't leave, by himself, it's Ben. Mark, wait on, and goal. And that is too easy. Betts is on the move from the right forward pocket. Eddie Betts from the right forward pocket. He stole that ball. And he was the Easter Bunny. And the football was his chocolate egg. Goal, Eddie Betts, number six. You know what Eddie brings to our team. He's part of our leadership group. Um, but he's the guy that's going to come and bring, bring the energy and the effort. And he was, he was, he was special again tonight. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.